Well, we're over in Ephesians chapter 5. There are outlines on the back of the table if you didn't get those. We finished up chapter 4 as he switched over in chapter 4 to the practical areas. First, the principles of how to live the Christian life and then the practical area, how that should apply to our life and how it should change, how it should affect us. And in chapter 4, he told us a lot of things that we shouldn't do as far as be living like the ones who are in the world. He begins in chapter 5 and verse 1, Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ has also loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. So be imitators of God. The word there for imitators, imitators is the word mimetes. It means an imitator or a follower or to mimic. We get, of course, our word mimic from this word. So he wants us to basically mimic God. As God does, so do we. Just as little children mimic their parents, we're supposed to mimic God. Well, He's our dad, so we should mimic Him. Whatever He does, we should do it. How He stands, we should stand. How He dresses, we should dress. All those kind of things. When the little, little child is mimicking one that he, he loves, they, they put on the same kind of shoes, they put on the hat they might wear. They wear the same kind of clothes. Sometimes even put on the actual clothes. Because they're trying to be an imitator of that one. So in the same way, we're to be an imitator of God. Whatever God does, we imitate it. I'll tell you what, it's real easy for us to imitate God in the areas that we like to. But as soon as we pick up on something where someone's crossed us, we get into an area where we don't think that should have been done, oh, forget imitating God. Just like that little child, if, you know, mom or dad does something that they don't like. Oh, forget imitating them. <laughs> they just put them right on out. And that's not something we're supposed to do. We're always supposed to be imitators of God. Because if God ever does anything that makes us upset, who's wrong? <laughs> now, that's all fine for someone else, but when it happens to you, you know, God didn't answer soon enough. God didn't come through with what you need. The way you thought he ought to come through. The Word said something you didn't like. The Holy Spirit revealed something you didn't want to hear. All those kind of things can go on. And it can get us mad. And we, I, I get mad. I don't want to do what God says now. And I no, I no longer become an imitator of God, but a, <laughs> I'm an anti. I, I, whatever he does, I don't want to do it. And I want to go in the other direction. But that's not what we're supposed to do. In the same way that we are not supposed to be like those who are of the world, we are to be imitators of God all the time. 100% of the time, we are to imitate God. How does God operate in these situations? Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love. I'm not real sure why there's a period there. Then the, all the punctuation you see in your Bible is not there by the actual writers. It's there by the translators. Because in the actual Greek, there are no punctuation marks. They don't even put space between the letters. Because they don't have enough paper. They just put it all on, the, on, on there and let everybody figure it out. So all the punctuation you see is, is not necessarily inspired by God. I just think you just keep on going. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love. Be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ has also loved us and forgiven himself for, or given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. 
So if we're going to be imitators of God, we are to walk in love. And where does the, the love that we are to walk in come from? It's the love of God. It's not our love. It's not natural human love. It's the love of God. It's a love that's outside of ourselves and it's of Him. The agape kind of love is the love that is not of the nature of the one giving the love, but the nature of the one that it comes from. We are the ones who give the love. We are the ones the love works through. It's not based on our nature. It's based on His. That's the agape kind of love. We give His love to others. So therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ has also loved us and given Himself for us. Now, in verse 32, as he ended chapter 4, this is what he said about Jesus. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. In the same way that God forgave, in the same way that Jesus walked in forgiveness, in the same way we are to, to walk in the forgiveness. That's basically being an imitator, isn't it? Well, would God have forgiven me here? Yeah. So what's that mean I should do? Well, I guess I should forgive too. Now, I'm supposed to be an imitator. So imitate in the forgiveness of God and imitate God in His love. Just imitate it. And it's not a thing that we need to sit there and figure it out. What do I want to do this? Because it really don't matter if you want to do it or not. Be imitators of God. Whatever God is, we are. That's how God is. That's how I'm going to be. How many times have we studied out great men and women of the faith to find out how is it that they walked in the, in the greatness of God? How did they walk in the things that they did? And we kind of want to be imitators of what they did. What time did they get up in the morning? What time did they go to bed at night? How much did they pray? How did they pray? Where did they study? What did they study? Did they listen to tapes? Did they read after different people? What did they do? And if we find out something about it, we want to read after, we want to study after, we want to get up when they did, we want to pray the way they did. Because if it worked for them, surely it ought to work for me and get me the, where, the, where that person was in their, in their walk. Well, Paul even said, you know, be imitators of me as I imitate Christ. Sometimes it's easier with us to have a, a natural example. And we do have that with Jesus. If we're going to become imitators of God, we can become imitators of Jesus. And we're given all kinds of information about how he lived. And that's how we're to go. So we can study the Gospels for the very purpose of imitate Jesus because if we imitate Him, we will become imitators of God. And that's what we're to do. How did God respond to people in the Old Testament? How did God respond to people in the New Testament? How did God respond to Abraham? How did God respond to Joseph? And we looked all these, how did God do it? I'm imitating God. I'm not looking to imitate Abraham and Joseph. I'm looking to imitate God. How did He go? So therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Do you understand that you are a dear children? You're not a despised children. You're not an outcast children. You're not a oops children. You are a dear children. You are one that God considers to be precious, loves, cares for. Oh, can't wait for, for what you have to, to add into the family. And he says, imitate God as a dear child. You know, sometimes you, you talk to some, some of your friends and they grew up in a family and they didn't feel like a dear children. They felt like an afterthought. They felt like, well, I, they didn't, I was not the favorite. I was a family of five. I was the fifth favorite. And everybody else got something, got something over here and, and uh, 
whatever it might be. And you can see that it affects their relationship with their parents and what they do because they have a bit of resentment there. As dear children, you are a favorite. You are a favorite. How many favorites does God have? <laughs> Imitate God as dear children. Dear children. Don't look at yourself as anything less than a dear child. A child who is near and dear to the heart of God. If you see yourself that way, then you can become imitators of God. Remember that uh, quote we gave you from Brother Creflo Dollar? Satan doesn't attack how much you love God, but how much God loves you. Satan does not want you to see yourself as a dear children. He wants to see you as despised children, left out children, not blessed as much as so-and-so children. That's how he wants you to see yourself. But Paul is right here, says, therefore, be imitators of God as dear children, dear children. Oh, you are endeared to God and walk in love. If you don't understand how much God loves you and that you are a dear child, it's going to affect how you're going to walk in love towards other people. Understand that you are loved by God. Because in the same way that you are loved by God or that you see yourself as loved by God is the same way you're going to love other people. You've got to work on that. You've got to understand that. God loves me with a whole lot of love. A whole lot of favor. And anything else that comes into your mind that tries to tell you differently about God's love toward you, kick it out. Don't meditate on it. Don't think on it. Kick it right out. As soon as those thoughts begin to come in, well, do you really think you're a favorite of God? Yep. I mean, do you, do you really think that God would set aside everything just to take care of you? Look at all those other people. He probably loves them a whole lot more. Look at the, what he's, what's happening in their life. No, imitate God as dear children and walk in love. Understand the kind of love God has towards you because that's how you're going to walk in love towards other people. And walk in love as Christ also has loved us. Well, Christ loved us with the same love that God loves us because he's an imitator of God. And given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Now, the sweet-smelling aroma, this is, of course, a reference to Old Testament sacrifices. They would come and they would bring this sacrifice and they would burn it off to God. And God said, oh, it's a sweet-smelling aroma. Now, cook it like this. This is how I like it. And, and you know, do it this way. And then go and put this on it. And there's a sweet-smelling aroma. Oh, it smells good. How many times, you know, you go out in the barbecue? You put something in the oven that you really like, and, and it's in there, it's cooking for a while. Or you got something on the stove, some kind of a sauce that's up there on the stove, and it's cooking and it fills the whole house. And all oh, you can smell the stuff. There's that sweet-smelling aroma. You walk by your favorite restaurant, and yet, oh, or you, you tour the streets of Philadelphia and the, the vendors that are out there and they're cooking the different stuff that's out. Oh, mmm. Oh, that smell. Oh, did you? What was that? What is that I smell? And you want to find out what are these things? What is it? Oh, that smells good. Get your attention. There is nothing to get your attention more than the smell of something good. Something good. Chocolate chip cookies. Oh, when they're cooking at home 
and it goes through the whole house, or bread. How many have ever been in a house when bread's cooking? Not too many people cook bread anymore, but I've been told if you want to sell your house before the people come, bake bread. Bake bread, it'll permeate the whole house, they'll come in, they'll smell baked bread, and it just gives a nice at-home feeling, and, but just kind of helps push them over the edge a little bit. So if you ever need to sell a house, just think about that. Bake some, get one of those bed, bread breakers, and just put, set that up and have that go a little while beforehand. Oh, I'll tell you what, it would be good. But oh, how, how much that smells can get our attention. And this is what he's saying with this. Walk in love as Christ has also loved us and given Himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. So what Christ did in offering Himself for us to God, this was a sweet-smelling aroma. It got God's attention. Anyone here want to get God's attention? Would you like it if you got God's attention? If all of a sudden God's going about His business and whoa, what was that? Man, I... I, I I know I smelled something. What was that? Who, who, who did that over there? Now, of course, you, God's not going to go and do that. He knows. But we would. But you can get the idea. That sweet-smelling aroma. Oh, there's that uh, aroma. That smell. You know, but one of the things that I love the smell of is not even anything that's it's edible. We look forward to it every time we go on down the Jersey to the Jersey Shore. And as we're getting close to Ocean City, New Jersey. And I know it when we're, we're approaching the bridge, the Bay, the Bay Bridge. We, you know what we do? No matter what the temperature is outside, I roll the windows down. Bring in that salt air. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love that salt air. I look forward. I'm, I'm anxiously awaiting, getting close enough that we can just bring in that salt air. Oh, this will be good. It's, those are the smells, the things that we look forward to. And this is what God says. I look forward to this. As Christ has made himself an offering for you. That was a sweet smelling aroma to God. Sweet smelling aroma to God. Well, if we imitate what Christ did, won't we also be that sweet smelling aroma? Can't we also do the same thing? I mean, if you go over to somebody's house and they're cooking something and you love the smell, you love the way it permeated the house, can't you go home and cook it? Sure you can. We can go home and cook it too. And we can get that same smell at our own, own house. Now, maybe we don't cook it exactly the same way that they do. Maybe it doesn't smell quite as good. Maybe we make it smell better. Who knows? But you can do it. You can do it. And if it's not quite right, what did you not do? We didn't quite imitate it right. So what do you do? You go on back. I, I, I made that, but it didn't quite come out the same way. It didn't quite smell the same way. What was I missing? Well, what did you do? And we begin to go on through. And we step by step. And they're examining step by step. What it, oh, right there. Right there. Don't do it that way. Don't do it that way. You know, you need to, to go over this. And you need to go over this way. You know, sometimes there's a, a couple of dishes that I'll make at home, and there's a, a pattern to making it. Now, my wife has her patterns, I have my patterns, and certain ingredients have to go in at certain times. Because if you don't, it just doesn't work it on out. And one time, you know, we were at home and someone else decided to take on the thing and they were going to make, make it, but they put something in at the wrong time. 
And one person made the statement and they just said, oh, it doesn't matter. So I just left. I said, well, fine. It don't matter. <laughs> but, but, it, but some things do matter. You know, because when you put the mushrooms in and when you put the onions in and when you put the garlic in, it all matters because certain things cannot be overcooked. You overcook garlic, you'll be sorry. You're going to miss a whole lot of what that brings into the, into the dish. You don't want to overcook dark garlic. Garlic, you want to cook it just right. Otherwise, you can burn it. You burn it. You burn garlic in a meal. Oh, it's not so good. So you want to make sure you go into, you imitate the pattern. How was it done? And if you want the exact same results as what one had over here, then what do you have to do? Imitate. Don't reinvent it. Don't go along and say, well, what if I just go ahead and do this thing over here? What if I try and do this thing over here? If you want the same results, you've got to do the same thing. You've got to go after the same way. What do you do with that? And walk in love as Christ has also loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice. He was an offering and he was a sacrifice for a sweet smelling aroma. Now, we all think of Jesus as an offering and a sacrifice on the cross. But his whole life was an offering and a sacrifice. He laid down his deity to come on down. He stopped being who he was to become Jesus for us. He stopped being the Christ, the Son of God, to become Jesus. Now, he was still the Son of God, but he laid aside all that to become his favorite term for himself, the Son of Man. Favorite term. But he is the Son of God. But his favorite term when he was down here on earth was the Son of Man. See, he, he picked up another, another part. He laid down this part, picked up this part. That's part of his offering. That's part of his sacrifice. That's part of the things that he did. Sometimes we've got to make sure that, well, people need to respect who I am. People need to see who I am. People did not do that to me. Jesus, the Son of God, laid down being the Son of God to become the Son of Man. So how much more should we do that? Jesus ministered to people who were ungrateful. Is that a sacrifice? But how many times we go before God, and, oh God, these folks, they just don't appreciate me. Oh, they just don't appreciate me. If they only knew half, <laughs> they just don't appreciate me. Oh, man. Who are we imitating? We're not imitating God. We're not imitating Jesus. We're not going after that nature. We're imitating something different. If we imitate something different, what kind of results are we going to get? Something different. It's not going to be a sweet-smelling aroma. God's going to say, what in the world did you open? Oh, that's awful. Man, that smells terrible. That's not how we're supposed to go about it. So imitating God as His nature is taught in the Word and demonstrated by Jesus is a sure way to have a lifestyle favorable to Him. You want to be favorable to God? Live that way. Live that way. I mean, you look at your, the, the children when they're growing up. Now, you, you tried to, certainly to make sure you didn't have favorites. But some were more favorable than others. 
and there are, at times one is walking in a favorable way and other times they're not walking in a favorable way. And when they're not walking in that favorable way, you become resistant to them. Resistant to, to them because they're not walking favorably. They're coming in, they do their own thing. They make noise. They take advantage. They, they do things you ask not to be done. All that sort of stuff. Why? They're not walking in a favorable way. They're not imitating the, the, the pattern that you put out there for them. They're going away on another pattern. And they're not going to get your favor, are they? If that person walks on in and they say, Mom, Dad, I need 20 bucks. You say, get a job. Go to work. Not here. What did you do? You hear stuff like that. There's resistance, isn't there? But if that, that, that child is walking in a favorable way, they're a pleasure to be around. They are courteous and kind all the time. They look for things that need to be done. And they do them. They pick up patterns. Oh, mom and dad need this done. I'm going to go ahead and do this. And on a regular basis, they're doing the things that you need done without you asking them. And they come and said, mom and dad, I really need 20 bucks right now. Is that okay? Absolutely. You need any more than that? Is 20 enough? I have more if you need. Why, why does it suddenly change? Because we're seeing the benefit. They're doing things that it's an aroma. It's a, it's a nice, it's nice to be around them. Oh, but they're, they're always trying so hard to help and to do things. And it just opens us up. We become very favorable to that one, don't we? In the same way, God is, is that way. He becomes very favorable because we're not walking in a way where He has to resist us. God resists the proud. That includes children that are proud. Doesn't it? He's going to resist the proud. So don't get proud. He don't like that. That's not being an imitator of God. That's being an imitator of Satan. He's the one who's the originator of pride. If we, if we lie, who are we imitated? Not God. Satan. If we're walking in some of these other areas that were listed in chapter 4, we're not imitating God. We're going after another one. And we're not going to walk in such a way as to obtain favor. But we all want favor. So walk in a favorable way. Instead of seeing what can people do for you, get on out there. Father God, I see that I serve you by helping other people. I'm going to see what I can do for others. Instead of letting those attitudes come on in when the enemy comes in and whispers in our ear, they don't appreciate you. They should be doing more. They shouldn't be doing that. You just resist that and say, no, nope, no. Nope. Go over here to 1 Corinthians 13. It has some things to say about my relationship to other people. It says, believe the best. Suffer long and be kind. <laughs> and, and so forth. number of things that it says. That's how we walk. You just put that back into the enemy. And walk in love. We walk in His, his love. We walk in His forgiveness. We walk in His love. Walk in the way of His forgiveness. Walk in the way of His love. Our life's goal is not our satisfaction. Our life's goal is not our satisfaction, but God's satisfaction. I am living this life to satisfy Him. If we live this life to satisfy ourselves, well, then you got your satisfaction. But live this life to satisfy Him. 
to satisfy God. That's what we live. Verse 3. But fornication and all uncleanness or, uh, or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. Well, he already taught us not to live like the Gentiles, and that's pretty much a list to live like the Gentiles, isn't it? He already taught us that. He already taught us some things about anger and, and so forth to, to refrain from. But now he's going to pick up a, a whole other area. So here he emphasizes the, the way of the Gentiles again. Listen to some other things that we could yield ourselves to. One, fornication. Well, this is sexual immorality. Anything that goes along in, in that area. Fornication. Basically, he says, don't do it. If we do, we're not imitating God, are we? Again, look at verse, and walk in love, verse 2, as Christ has also loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. But fornication, in other words, contrary to that, on the other end of walking that way, here is this way, fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness. Now, fornication, that you know, sex outside of marriage. Uncleanness is a person who's not necessarily giving into the action, but giving into the thoughts. That's what the unclean person is. So, fornication or uncleanness. Not necessarily going after the way of the fornicator, but going after it in our thoughts. These kind of people, whenever you talk to them, it just seems to be the thing out of their mouth. Have you ever talked to people like that? It seems like everything that they do, everything they say has a sexual reference. It just seems like you can't talk to them about anything. You just get exasperated. You bring up something and they've got to throw that back at you. Because that's where their mind is. Their mind is caught up with this. Now, there's all kinds of levels of uncleanness. You can start off, you know, just giving in the, lightly the, the thoughts this way, and it can pull you right on over. And you, you talk to those folks, and it seems like, how do you get anything sexual out of that? But there they are, <laughs> commenting, talking about it. That's not an imitator of God. Fornication, uncleanness, these are not things that are, that are imitators of God. Then he goes on and talks about covetousness. Now, covetousness can mean a whole lot of things, but here we've already established the context, haven't we? So he's talking about coveting in this sexual area. It seems like, you know, especially with guys. You know, they, they can just get off that way. And once they get bent over to here into this area and they have this, this way of leaning, oh, it just seems like they cannot look at a woman without thinking, without thinking these thoughts or saying these thoughts. I'm talking about other guys like that. Oh, well, this fornication, uncleanness, covetousness. You hear a person like that? Guess what? They are not an imitator of God. I don't have to examine your life anymore. I can tell you right now, you cannot get to that point and be an imitator of God. Cannot do it. Cannot do it. Fornication, uncleanness, covetousness. Now, thank God there's help to get out of that. Just like there's help to get out of anything else. He'll help us to get out of, of these uh, three areas and, of course, other areas as well. We don't have to stay locked into that. But Satan wants to get us trapped and pulled into these areas by some kind of lure by some kind of temptation, by some kind of thing that says, oh, you need this over here. Oh, you don't have this over here. Fornication, uncleanness, covetousness, filthiness, that's obscenity. Just things that are obscene. You know, sometimes you, you, you look at some of the entertainment of the world, and some of the entertainment of the world is, is just obscene. 
And, you know, sometimes you're flipping around on TV and you hear these folks not even necessarily using nasty language, but just, it's just obscene. You know, it's, to me, it's not even funny. It's, it just flip it off. Get it off. You don't need it. It's filthiness. There shouldn't be anything enjoyable out of that for us. It's obscene. We don't need to, to have that. I thank the Lord that there are some comedians out there who have an act that's not involved in all this sort of stuff. Oh, that's so much, so much better. So much better. I heard a few guys that were out there that got started that made sure they said, everybody else seems to get off in these areas. We're going to make sure we don't. Jay Leno was one of those. Jay Leno was one of those. I don't know where he is now. I haven't seen his show in countless years. But I know that he was one who said, you know, everybody else can, is, is vulgar and obscene. And he set out to make his comedy act one that you could take the kids to. Seemed like he did pretty good. Again, I don't know where he is now, whether he still held on to that or, or kept on going, but I know that he he'd started off that way. And there's a few others who had done so as well. Fornication, uncleanness, covetousness, filthiness, foolish talking. Foolish talking. Well, there's all kinds of stuff that you could put in here. Again, we're, we've established the context, and it would seem like foolish talking would have to do something inside the area of fornication, uncleanness, covetousness, filthiness, things that he's, he's done in that area. Talking that's just along here is just foolish. It's just stupid. You just don't need to be getting involved with it. Coarse jesting. All those off-color jokes that people want to make. Some people, not people here. Other people, you know, other, other places. But, you know, the, they do the, the coarse jesting. And, and sometimes, you know, even, even sometimes getting around the hockey guys, they just they, they jest sometimes in, in these things. I just throw my arms and just, just walk off. Now, they just look at me and say, well, he's a pastor. He's not going to appreciate this sort of stuff. <laughs> we were over there. I was over there playing last night. First night in, I don't know, about two months or something like that. I haven't been able, I've been able to get over there. And there's, a, there's another guy with the basketball. We played some basketball beforehand. Before uh, the hockey, and there's a basketball thing that goes on. Well, there's another pastor who comes out to the basketball, and so uh, his name is, is Joshua, and he and I get to talking a little bit, and so um, we got to the point, you know, we were we've been on the same team for a little bit, we've, we've been playing, and then all of a sudden they decided they didn't want the two of us on the same team, and it's not that I'm super highly skilled, it's just that there's a couple of us who like to run, and the rest of them don't like to catch up. So they decided that it's better to have a runner on each team because then we can chase each other. And they just felt that that was better. So they decided to split us up and to, and to put us off. So I went off to him just kind of push him because I, I acted like he was the one who, uh, who traded me and put me over on the other team. So I just kind of pushed him. said, oh, I don't want to be on your team either. <laughs> and so he picked right up on it. And so we're just kind of jawing at each other, having some fun with that way. And then uh, a couple of guys went off and said, oh, look at this. The pastors are going to go at it. <laughs> and so I immediately corrected him. I says, no, pastors don't fist fight unless they're in the same church. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I called Josh Mister. You know, I said, Josh, isn't that right? And, oh, yeah, that's right. That's what it is. And I'll tell you what, in practice, that's the way that it is. The pastors that are in the same church, dear Lord. Holy cow, the stuff that goes on over that. Man, not spirit-filled churches, you know, but carnal-filled churches. Stuff like that. It's, <laughs> I'll tell you, they can get carnal. They can get, I've heard people talk, my, my relatives, they talked about churches that they've been in. And, oh, dear Lord, I think, my, glory to God to be out of that. But uh, Joshua and I, we had some real good conversations when we were up there about 
about church. And, and you know, he's in a more of a denominational church, and um, uh, he understands, you know, I'm in a full gospel church, and he's in something that's not full gospel. <laughs> but we have lots of fun talking about Jesus. He's a man who loves the Lord and uh, gives his, his all to him, and we just have a, a real good time chatting, and, and, uh, and the guys see that. And they see that there's a sincerity that's there. And we don't get involved in their course, Justin, and their, their, their stuff that goes on there. And, and we have a good time. We, have, we enjoy our life. We come in, we're smiling, we come in, we're happy. Some of the times they come in and they're down and they're, they get upset with each other and they start throwing things and stuff like that. And now we can show them a difference in there. We don't have to find entertainment in fornication, uncleanness, covetousness, filthiness, being obscene, foolish talking, and coarse jesting. Don't need to do it. We can get our entertainment outside in other areas. We can get our fun outside in other areas. And, and that's what we should be doing. And that's a demonstration that we should have for the, other, the rest of the world, the people that are out there. We are imitators of God. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. This is conduct that is fitting for saints. If we step outside of that, that's conduct that is not fitting. You know, the military has one of those phrases, conduct unbecoming. That's not becoming of, of who you should be as a military officer, as a military personnel, as someone in the You should not be doing that. It's conduct unbecoming. So that what Jesus is basically listing here for us, or Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is listing for us, this is conduct unbecoming for Christians. Don't get involved in that. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but... <laughs> now we're going to the contrast again. So first we had be imitators of God, but... And then we went to this whole contrast, this whole area out here. Don't even get, don't even get into any of that sexual area. Don't, don't get off on all that. Don't get into a place where you enjoy. Find good things in any of those thought patterns. Nothing like that. Stay out of all that area. But... Rather, giving of thanks. Giving of thanks. Be one that you walk into the room and you're just giving thanks for Now, you don't have to be obnoxious and some super spiritual person out of it. You can just be normal. <laughs> but just always be glad and be giving of thanks. That's what he says. So here's the contrast, but rather giving of thanks. Well, see, people who get into the fornication, they're not thankful with what they had. People who are giving into those kind of thoughts, unclean thoughts, or coveting something that they don't have, they're not thankful for what they have. We get into filthiness, foolish talking, coarse jesting. We're not thankful for what we have. We've got to get into that place where we're thankful all the time for what we have. I'm thankful for my spouse. I'm thankful for my kids. I'm thankful for my house. Thankful for my car. I'm just thankful. Glory to God. And God gives you a new car, be thankful for that one. So he goes on. Verse 5. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of God, kingdom of Christ and God. No inheritance. So stay out of it. <laughs> we don't need to be in that. If you're going to 
give yourself over into these areas and the Holy Spirit comes and He says, no, no, don't go there. No, stay out of that area. No, and we say, no, Holy Spirit, I'm going to go in this area. I'm going to keep on going. We can cut off our inheritance. Now, He says inheritance here and we know that from His teaching in Galatians that a child does not differ from an heir. You can be a child of the kingdom and not an heir of the kingdom. A child does not differ from an heir except that the child is under tutors. An heir is a mature one. But there's a whole lot of children who want to be part of the inheritance, but they don't want to be adults in the kingdom. Be an adult in the kingdom. Get rid of this stuff. You don't need to hang on to it. For this you know. Oh, he's not telling them anything new. He says, you already know this. No fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater. He puts that on the same level as idolatry. Now, I don't know about you, but I do know some things from the Word. Idolatry is not good. God doesn't like idolaters. <laughs> don't, don't be putting these other things up there as an idol. Don't be putting these other things. Well, God, you know, I love you and all that, but I need this stuff in my life. Hmm. For this you know. You know this. We don't have to have that sort of stuff anymore. Has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God? We've got no inheritance today. Well, I want the inheritance. How many of y'all want the inheritance? I want to take advantage of the inheritance. So get rid of the other stuff. What the devil wants you to do is to pick up all this other stuff because he knows he's going to cut, off, cut you off from the inheritance. Now, is he going to cut you off from getting into heaven altogether? Don't play around with it. Just, you know, there's some things you just don't mess with. <laughs> you know what? There's just some things that are dangerous and you just don't need to be, be getting involved with it. You know, you might be able to put your hand underneath the lawnmower and get that little thing that fell underneath. But should you? No, <laughs> no we shouldn't do that. You know, you might be able to fix that electrical outlet even though you've never fixed one before. But should you? Yeah. Now, plumbing looks so easy. But should you? It's easy afterwards. We, you know, we got involved and we fixed the plumbing and now the whole house leaks. It's, after, it's easy afterwards to say, oh, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> I shouldn't have done Oh, I shouldn't have done that. But as the idea is before. Any of that happened. You just step back and say, you know what? Remember if we just call somebody. Fornicator, of course, we get the word pornography. So you can kind of get an idea where that all, all goes. But here in verse 6, let no one deceive you with empty words. Let no one deceive you with empty words. The problem with empty words is they don't always seem empty. They seem like there's some substance to it. We would not buy into empty words if we knew they were empty. When Satan came to Adam and Eve in the garden, he tempted them with empty words. But they didn't know it. They thought there was some substance to those words, didn't they? Has God really said? No, see, he knows the day you eat it, you're going to become like him, knowing both good and evil. They thought there was substance there. They thought there was something good. But, nope. Nothing good. Nothing good at all. Have you ever tried to do that with a dog? 
You know, dogs love tables. I don't think there's a dog alive that does not like table food. They all seem to like it. And, you know, if you, they love it when they see you make the gesture and you reach from your plate and you, you, you go over here and they're all over it, aren't they? They're all over the thing. But sometimes, you know, you can do an empty gesture. And you pretend like you're picking up some something, but your hand is empty. And you can go on over. But what happens to the, to the dog? He's tempted. He thinks there's stuff in there. And he comes on over. That's sometimes what the devil does with us. He makes us think that in all these areas, there's going to be something we will miss out on if we don't get involved in these things. If we stay out, no, there's nothing you're going to miss out on at all. Nothing you'll miss out on at all. You'll miss out on being in, in the inheritance. Don't, don't be going after that. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. So there's empty words. Now you look at every single one of the, everyone that I can think of anyway. Uh, those cults that got off. You know, they started off with some right things about the Word of God, but then they got off into some wrong things. And just about every single one of them, the leader is involved in something sexual. And how did they all get pulled into it? I mean, the, the what was it, the Jones? The stuff that was going on there. I mean, the, the, the sexual, down in Philly when they had the, the group that was down in there, down in Texas. Uh, David, somebody or other, wasn't it? Koresh. Koresh. It always seems like, you know, the leader is this man. He's so so great and he's almost got a harem. All kinds of kids running around. And somehow, that's okay. And, and people have followed along because they bought into empty words. Let no one deceive you with empty words. What are empty words? Words that are going to cause you to go against the things the Bible says to get something that you lack. And that's what I do. Some of those leaders, I mean, the, the women that are involved in it, how did they get into that? How did they get to the point where they, they're going to buy into this, the lies that these guys are, are throwing out? Let no one deceive you with empty words. He would not challenge us in that way if it was not possible. We can be deceived with empty words. So these things... They bring on the wrath of God. If people just had read the book of Ephesians and got at least as far as chapter 5, then when these leaders and these cults would have come along, they would have said, no, 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 that brings on the wrath of God. There is no way that this is going to bring on the blessing of God. I'm not following after this. And left and gone off. and It would have saved a whole lot of problems. But they didn't do it. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. If you're going to disobey and not going to be a child of favor, you're going to be a son of disobedience. So he says in verse 7, Therefore, do not be partakers with them. Well, that's pretty clear, isn't it? Those folks who got involved in those, those places over there, oh, but they were deceived. Oh, it wasn't their fault. Yes, it was. We have a responsibility to read the Bible ourselves and to understand. I mean, this is not interpretation. This is what it says. Don't get involved in this. Quit this. This is the way of the world. This is how the world lives. This is how they go. Don't be that way. You are different. You are not called to be living life like the people in the world do. You're called to live life differently. Don't be like this way, but rather be giving a thanks. Be imitators of God, not this way. 
So it's very clear how we are to go. Don't be participants with the people who go along in this way. doesn't mean not to love them. doesn't mean not to try and help them. Some people get involved in that thing and the Satan, Satan has lured them in and they're, they're, they're getting caught up more and more in this. Well, then just you know, help them get out of it. Don't leave them there. But don't get involved. Don't be a partaker of it. Don't get into the coarse jesting. When somebody comes along and gives you an off-color joke, don't try and one-up his. Give him one better. Nope, just, no, it's, we don't need to be. Come, if it's a brother, you ought to just pull him as a brother. Come on. Do we really need to be doing it? Is that really how what honors God? How many of y'all know brothers and sisters who, I mean, just not even trying to cover it up, just outwardly? This is the, ah, it's, it's, I mean, it stuns you. Uh, first couple of times I saw that. First couple, I, I mean, people in church, sexual jokes, and then laughing about it. They expected me to laugh along with it. It's like, really? Oh, my. Well, they'll be there. But even if they do, don't stand back there and judge them and say, oh, that's an awful... No, you need to help them out. Help them out. They won't get help. Help them out. If not, just don't become a partaker of the things. Don't get pulled into it. Because these things... It's a lie of the devil. He wants to get us so caught up with all this that we don't become imitators of God. He wants us to become imitators of something else. Imitators of society. Imitators of, of Satan's kingdom. Imitators of prideful people. Imitators of whatever else. Not imitators of God. He doesn't want us to become imitators of God. He wants us to become imitators of something else. Well, we don't have to do that. We can understand. No, no, no. I understand. Those things that you're involved with, <laughs> that brings on the wrath of God. I don't want to be bringing on the wrath of God. So I'm not going with that. And just stay out of it. Live your life that way. And then let the blessings of God come on your life. Let your life be shown that you have the favor of God. And then after a while, the people will say, well, you know what? I think your way is a little bit better. <laughs> you seem to be walking in some favor. I'm not walking in that favor. I think I'm going to try this thing over here and go this way. So this is what he, he tells us to do. The most powerful thing here, though, be imitators of God as dear children. Put God as your example. Here's how you go. Here's God. What did God do? We have plenty of pictures of Him from Scriptures in the Old Testament, Scriptures in the New Testament. We have the life of Jesus who went about doing the will of the Father so we can imitate Him. Be imitators of God. As Jesus Christ, as God forgave, as they loved, how should we love? That's it. Walking in that way. And if we start doing stuff like that, and not imitators of other people. Because what happens is people cross us. People come along our path and they didn't forgive us. They didn't love us. They didn't help us. They didn't do something over here. Whatever it was that we thought I should be forgiven. We thought. And we weren't. And we thought, well, if you're not going to forgive me, then I'm not going to forgive you. What did we just become an imitator of? A brother or sister who's less than. Don't do that. Become imitators of God. It is too easy, folks, for us to look at the shortcomings of other Christians and imitate them. And give that as the reason. Well, look at brother or sister so-and-so. 
I mean, they don't do it. They don't follow after it, right? Why should I? No, <laughs> don't, don't do that. Follow after God because it's the best thing to do. Go after it God's way because it's the best thing. There's no better way. And being an imitator of God brings on favor. It gets God's attention. You get that sweet smelling aroma. It comes up to God and God says, it smells good. I like that. That's how our life should be. Let's make sure that our lives are that way with Him. Father God, we thank You that our lives can be a sweet-smelling aroma to You. That our lives can be one that imitate God. We are imitators of God. Not imitators of the shortcomings of other believers. Not imitators of the Satan's kingdom. Not imitators of the world. Imitators of You. We set You up as our example. There are plenty of brothers and sisters who are following after you that have come up short. We're not imitators of them. We're imitators of you. And we do it because we love you. And we know that we are dear children and you love us. Father, we thank you for it. Thank you for the teachings that are in your word to help us to alter our life. That we put on the new man and we walk like the new man is. Not like the old man. The new man. 